Hello everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to EPW's Research Radio. I'm Rahul Bhise and today we are in conversation with Dr. Joseph Bara. This podcast is based on the article Setting the Record Straight on Birsa Munda and his political legacy that was published in the EPW journal on 25th of July 2020. The author for this article Dr. Bara is an independent scholar on tribal history and education in modern India and was formerly with Jawaharlal Nehru University New Delhi. He is currently based in Ranchi. In the previous part, we discussed topics such as the life and evolution of Birsa Munda, his portrayal in the academic and mainstream culture. Please make sure that you have listened to the part 1 before starting with this. Sir, and you also talk about Birsa identified who are the friends and who are the foes of the Adivasi communities. Can yes, you exactly. like just tell tell us about it? Yes, you know, he in a typical in his local slang, he mentioned some of those. Basically, it was landlords and his men. Number one, number two, the missionaries, and missionaries because you know he used the term. टोपी टोपी एक टोपी मीन्स हैट डॉनिंग व्हाइट मैन वेदर ए मिशनरी और ए कॉलोनिस्ट कॉलोनियल ऑफिशियल ऑल वर्ट सेम ऑल व्हाइट मैन वर एक्सपोर्टेड मिशनरीज ऑफकोर्स द मिशनरीज एंड द कॉलोनियल अथॉरिटीज दीज वेल टू डिफरेंट मैन दे वेर कॉल्यूटिंग एट टाइम्स दे वेर ऑल्सो कोलाइडिंग in the field in the colonial field there were many cases of collusion and collusion and collusion but then fact remains so far in chotanagpur the uh, young birsa so that they were colluding there were missionaries who were stationed in the interior areas they were the people who were the informer of the colonial state so his enemies were those and as i mentioned earlier the christian followers adivasi followers of the missionaries the they were the people who since they were associated with the missionaries they were also his enemies in the beginning but later he realizes only oh, other people some some of the family members of the same family some are christian some are non christian what is their fault so now he instructs his close men not to harm the christian adivasis so mainly his enemies were two all foreigners white men and the jamindari class and jamindars subsidiaries this is important question i i must admit because you know i have mentioned in my article also actually this is basically hindu right wing hmm. who who says the things he was anti christian so this was that means he was uh pro hindu <laughs> that's the position they are taking and the region uh religious movement supposed to be adivasi uh religious movement called sarna adivasi cultural uh, religious movement called sarna they also appropriate that but they are also 
many uh, there are several groups in this but many groups are really taking the position of the hindu writing now this is since he was anti christian and he was also the follower of a hindu guru he was basically a hindu person and his method was his mobilization was uh, his method of mobilization was hindu and this is what the uh, position that is but i have i have seen i have seen the i have consulted the primary sources certain letters from hopman and other missionaries who admit that he was i mean bisha was against the missionaries to the extent that they were the informer about his activities and he so far as his followers is concerned he was convinced yeah what was the mistake they are actually our men and so we should not harm them they had the same problem of you know uh, they are the same the same victim as we, we are of the british policies of the excesses of the jamindars so it was basically the hitu writing and actually very uh, a question that was reported in the media here that you know hope is actually he was a great humanitarian missionary and uh, he did a lot his books i mean his encyclopedia in some 16 volumes are widely known throughout the world uh, without reading hopman you cannot study the tribes of this region no very credible work now for his vast knowledge on the type he is a very you know very uh, respected person so now when his statue was being installed at the place where he worked it was near koti in a place called sarwada that it was registered by those elements saying that he was the agent of the british government why should he be recognized but you know your question that is probably coming where i will answer that he was a very benevolent person committed in his own way to help the tribes and his contribution with this literary contribution i mentioned the kind of thorough knowledge he studied the 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 uh, adivasi uh, society and culture by meticulously observing uh, in the field and he collected a huge amount of data and when at the first world war at the time of the first world war he was asked to go away from india he took away all those and composed those 16 volumes of encyclopedia mundarika in germany somewhere so you cannot really simply because he was at one stage maybe in form of the of the colonial state or because you know he wanted after all he was a missionary he wanted to spread christianity 
and Bitsa was on his way. So certainly he was, he disliked Bitsa. But so far as the Adivasis were concerned, he had a very soft corner in his heart for the Adivasi kids. So that's why, but the way when his statue was being installed, the way he, uh, that was registered speaks of his, our, our in, in, inadequate understanding of open himself. Right, sir. I'll move to my fourth question, sir. The British initiated a permanent measure by Commutation Act of 1897 to discontinue okay. the feudal practice of Bed Bigari, that is forced mm-hmm. labor, and the promulgation mm-hmm. of Chota Nagpur Tenancy Act 1908, which was supposedly a Magna Carta for the protection of Adivasis. Birsa mm-hmm. Munda and his time reflects a case of Adivasi agility against the oppression of British colonialism. This was markedly different from the narrative of an activistic primitive tribal man, and it had been perceived until then. Uh, can you please elaborate on this topic, sir? As I said earlier, it was a very short-lived movement. Mirza died in 1900 in jail uh, in very you know, mysterious circumstances. But his movement lasted only for five years, 1895 to 1900. But its ramifications were very important. You know, as you said, Adivasi protest had become serial. I mean, from the beginning of the uh, from the beginning of the colonial rule uh, to 19th century, when it, it intensified, there was in almost all tribal Adivasi regions you will find that but probably more in Chotanagpur. So now the British were convinced Birsa Munda sent a message, very strong message, that this problem has to be now cleared. A way has to be found out. Now, finding out a way uh, as a first step, they discontinues this forced labor practice, where they that act of 1897 that you mentioned. But soon after the movement, uh, for survey and settlement of the agrarian issue, uh, the land issue began. And where on the basis of the preliminary finding, uh, act, an agrarian uh, act that was the forerunner of the 1908 Chitanagpur Tenancy Act, was enacted in 1903. So, you know, after more findings from the survey, 1908, a comprehensive tenancy act was passed that is still in operation. That's called Chotanagpur Tenancy Act. And this act, along with the Santal Parma Tenancy Act, is widely known. It's called the, you mentioned, uh, as you mentioned, the Magna Carta of 
the adiversity rates. Now, this also gave a signal to the tribals that now the agrarian matter is sold. And as it is, the tribal had lost most of their land. So now it gives a new direction to Adivasi land. Now, agrarian question is sold. And then there's at the time, they are exposed to administrative development of the region and the new avenues uh, like employment that was education based came. So, this was also the time when uh, higher education, higher education uh, at that time was, you know, the uh, higher, uh, high school education. So some avenues were open for that to Adivasi now get educated, look for employment, and seize lives beyond this subsistence-based agriculture. That is one thing. Now, what happened after that? You know. What I was saying is, uh, from from this onwards, then we had the first set of uh, the tribals, so-called educated tribals, you may say, that they were since, I'm calling so-called since, because they were only uh, school educated. But very soon, some there was avenue of university education, the first graduate come, and then, New form of organization comes and Shotanagpur Unnati Samaj, Shotanagpur Unnati Samaj platform of educated tribals come up. And that becomes the beginning of the Charkhan movement. You know what? It's a Munda conceit, Munda country, this one. And that course is now taken up by Shatanakpur Unnati Samaj. And later, of course, the Shatanakpur Unnati Samaj became the forerunner of the, uh, of the uh, Jharkhand movement. So this is how the whole development, it became a very, you know, turning point in the history of the, you know, the Shatanakpur Tenancy Act, with some movement and the following Shatanakpur Tenancy Act, uh, becomes a turning point of the Adivasi right, history. So the admiration for Birsa rose resulting in the projection projecting of Birsa's persona and legacy for political action. Birsa came okay. about to reflect Adivasi aspiration, assertion and liberation across the country. So currently, okay. he inspires movements and causes that work with an aim to deliver social justice to Adivasis, Dalits among other marginalized sections. Birsa is now a well-discussed subject in the Social Science Journal and the other fauna. How did this happen? So can you please explain Birsa's okay. evolution from obscurity to fame? Late 70s, where was Birsa before that? Hmm. After the publication of the book of K. Suvay Singh, it was in 1966, 
he came to be known, and that was out of his PhD at uh, London University. He came to be known, and on the basis of that, I mean, I don't know for the strange reason, history, of course, post-independently, post-independence period, history was an important subject, but still, nation hesitated to recognize him as a national leader. And it was only after literary works appeared on this that his fame rose. Now his fame rose means in a recognition as a national leader, it again had another journey. Uh, only after, uh, I think it around 1890, uh, 1990 or so, his statues were installed here and there in Jharkhand also. Uh, his statue, of course, one statue was there from the uh, from the earlier stage, and that is called Girsa Chauk in the city of Ranchi. This kind of structures are not there, including his, at his birth uh, and his uh, martyrdom. All these have come in the last 30 years. So, you know, even now, last year I visited his place, his birthplace. Then, uh, you know, there is a, a figure and there is a proper memorial, but then his picture is there. And the small statue is there, bust is there. But below that, there is an iron figure. Can you imagine that? And he's a national figure. This is the last year I'm talking about. So it is all political, a political hate, uh, probably to impress the Adivasi uh, vote bank. So at the ground level, this kind of you know the misunderstanding or under under understanding of Vitsa remains. Now I tell you, here in Jharkhand, now there is a statue, there is a special museum for the tribal freedom fighters uh, uh, recently inaugurated. But uh, so far as our knowledge is concerned, uh, this is still to be uh, much to be desired. But well, as politically, you are right. Uh, in my university, JNU, uh, now there is a Pirsamunda Road. In Vidurno region, sometime I went there, there is a forum, something using the name of I don't remember the name of the forum, but there is using the name of Bitsan. Now, Varda, the Hindi Antarastriya University, Vishwavidyala, the, there is a block named after Bitsan. And Parliament, of course, there is a portrait, and inside there is another memorial. So this is some kind of rare, you know, in a, it's a rare gesture to a, uh, freedom fighter. Hmm. In Parliament, at two places, you have this kind of memorial. So, well, I think it's basically political. 
to to use the Adivasi Vote Bank, I must say. But so far as, you know, activism is concerned, this is something I think he's his recognition as a messiah, as a leader of the weaker section. That is something very important to me. He, you know, in Dalit area, the, the Maharashtra, Maharashtra Dalit area, I was surprised. He's well known, cold, better known than over, uh, in, other, in other tribal regions. People read about him. People want to know about him. Something I, I was surprised to uh, receive an invitation five years back from Tata Institute of Social Science at Mumbai <laughs> for a lecture on Vesamunda, special lecture on Vesamunda. I never remember whether this kind of lecture, lecture on Vesamunda was organized in universities, but I was surprised. So, you know, a, a place like this where uh, you know, sensibly, sensibly, uh, uh, youth, sensible, uh, sensitive youth takes initiative of organizing like this. So I think this is politically for politicians. The name Visa is valuable for political reasons, but for uh, the society. For the betterment of the society, weaker sections, the kind of symbol that this uh, stands for, that is important. And uh, I don't know about the South of India, but um, in North India, in, in, in large part of Central India, tribal region, is certainly an item. Hmm. And there are several forums in his name. So that is something important. I underline great importance to this development. My sub-question to you, sir, as you as you talked about TISS and other things, so uh, the Adivasi community still faces a lot of issues. Can you tell yes. us more about Birsa Munda and his legacy of struggle that is carried forward by the contemporary communities? How does this lineage, dissent and protest set a precedent for the future of struggles? Now, there is some kind of tribal areas particularly are moving little slowly but certainly impact of this moment is there mm -hmm. certainly this is an inspiration and uh, you know now in the name of Besa uh, and its legacy you certainly they want to know about Besa they want to mobilize in the name of Bisa, and then they want to work using the name of Bisa. That's there. And uh, <clears throat> yes, certainly Bisa, you know, a few years back, under the previous regime in Jharkhand, when there was a move to amend the uh, Shotanapur Tendency Act to suit the requirement of the industry, then there was huge resistance. And that resistance actually, this was that this was uh, steered by the youth uh, of this area. And that was that move of amendment was actually stopped. And of course, thereafter, this was one of the reasons why the Jharkhand government, uh, the previous regime, previous 
party in power lost the election. So certainly, certainly the spirit of Bisa works. Uh, sir, I just mm-hmm. wanted to ask you just a one point that was there in my mind. So we talk about the icon he has become and the spiritual quest that led him to fight against the British rule. So, sir, can you tell us how the spiritual quest happened to Birsa Munda? Was the spiritual angle to this entire thing? Actually, he was a, you know, remember he was a uh, 1875 born person. There is a little conflicting views on his exact date of birth, but uh, around that, 1874, 1875, that was his birth. So remember, um, he was barely 20, 25 years old. So, you know, this is an age when you received many things. You are, you are receptive to things, yes, and your mind is eclectic. So, Bitsa was like that. At one stage, he was a Christian youth. In the school, he was a Christian convert. And that's why, you know, when he develops his own faith, he he uses many of the things. See, I mean, he developed a, a set of prayers, and those prayers are in the form of the, in the shape of uh, the Christian prayers. Hmm. Then I think he was also inspired by uh, Jesus' uh, uh, instances of miracles. He said that, you know, Actually, he was under the spell of, uh, under, you know, once he was out in, in the forest, jungle, uh, for some work, then there was lightning. And um, his friend said that, uh, you know, since his face glowed because of the impact of the lightning, so then his friend spread the uh, news that he has received a special divine power. Then he started performing the act of miracle. And coincidentally, in one or two cases, it worked. He said something and that worked. So, that he became, uh, he became a Bhagwan. He is actually called Visa Bhagwan even now. Hmm. His popular name is Visa Bhagwan because of that miracle of I mean, religious performances like this. But then he was also a Believer, he he also said that he was a firm believer of Sing Bonga, that it is a supreme god, supreme power in the Munda belief system. So things like that, he combined various things. He borrowed from various religious uh, fervors these kind of elements and developed his own. But then he soon realized, what is he doing? What am I doing? By this kind of preaching and this thing. Because here is the key issue. Without that, Munda and the Adivasi life cannot be happy. So then he drifts to fighting for the agrarian cause. That is how, you know, People generally worship him as a leader, uh, as a religious uh, figure, a kind of demigod. But 
that's a reason, that that's something else. But so far as a historian, I see it was basically a way of his mobilization of the masses. And in the later phase, you rarely find instances of using religion, his belief, his religious practices in political work, in, in his revolt, in his movement. All right, so thank you so much. I think this is uh, like a very comprehensive talk that we have had and I'm sure our uh, audiences will also find it helpful. So Dr. Joseph Barat, thank you so much for taking your time out, answering our question and, uh, you know, tackling every technical situation that we have between us, but then still you're giving us your time and thing. I would like to thank you so much. Okay, thank you very much for this opportunity. Listeners, we have discussed topics such as the life and evolution of Birsa Munda, his portrayal in academic and mainstream culture, the icon he has become, and the spiritual quest that led him to fight against the British rule and unjust laws against the tribal communities. I recommend reading the article by Dr. Joseph Bara as it gives important information about the Adivasi community. It also gives us details about Birsa Munda and his life. I have shared the link to the article in the description of the podcast and it is completely free to access on the EPW Engage website. Thank you so much for your time and patience and also for tuning into the podcast. I hope you really liked our discussion. Do let us know what you feel about it on our social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. I'm Rahul Bhise and I'll see you in the next episode of EPW's Research Radio.